As you can tell, as you can tell, it's a little bit of different service. So we've cut a few songs because I have an extra amount of sermon. And so, so I would rather you, listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I may not use it all up and you may get out on time. I doubt it. But either way, I wanted to have plenty enough time to go through this slowly, slowly, because this is really, really important. Uh, if you've been here, if you're a first time attender, we are tickled to death that you're here. Uh, usually we sing a little bit more, uh, but today is just a little different. Today's a little different. We've been in a series called Be Not Conformed to This World, but be ye transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, at the beginning of the year, the Lord led us to preach on what we are trying to accomplish this year. And one of the things that we said is we're, we're trying to develop our people into three different characteristics. First, a saint, a saint, a soul winner and a soldier, a soldier. God did not call you a sinner. He called you a saint throughout the New Testament. He said the saints and we need to act like saints. We need to walk, listen, worthy of the vocation wherein we are called. And the Bible says, according to Paul, we are called to be saints. So that's what we're trying to do. All right. Uh, uh, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your Bibles. I want you to grab your Bibles real quickly and turn with me to Proverbs chapter number two. Uh, Proverbs chapter number two, if you want to. If you want to go over there to Genesis chapter uh, number three, uh, we'll be there momentarily, or you can just look at your notes. I printed them there in your notes so it would, we wouldn't have to spend a whole lot of time uh, uh, looking things up uh, so we could get as much in today as possible. If you notice, it's in color again, right? If you notice, there's no blanks, okay? I don't want you fooling around trying to fill in a blank and miss something I got to say. So it's all there. You got it in front of you. Uh, so I, what, what does that mean? Preacher, what, what are you trying to say? I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. And all God's people say it. All right. Let's jump right into this thing and, and, and we, will, uh, we will get with it. All right. Uh, in, in Proverbs chapter number two, in verse number one, this is a review uh, this is a review of last week, if y'all remember, uh, because here's what we're doing today, by the way, by the way, today, today we are answering a question that was presented when we preached on being not conformed to this world. Uh, the question was this, where do we draw the line when it comes to modesty, when it comes to what we wear? This is the question that was posed. Uh, we talked about all kinds of stuff, didn't we? We talked about entertainment and we talked about uh, uh, what we read and what we watch and where we go and what we do. But the number one response was what we wear. And the reason that is, is probably that's the most controversial topic there is. And the reason it's the most controversial and people argue over it so much is because that's what the devil uses the most. That's what the devil uses the most. So we're going to answer that question. And so with that being said, Proverbs chapter number two, verse number one, if you're there, say amen. amen. My son, and by the way, Proverbs is written by the smartest man ever to live. Are y'all with me? A man with supernatural wisdom given to him by God, the man Solomon. He says, my son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, 
so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand what? Righteousness. In other words, what's right? What's right? Where's the line, preacher? Righteousness. Our aim and our goal is righteousness. What is right? And when he gives us right, he helps us understand what's right. Then we can make good judgment and equity. In other words, right, a good balance. That's what equity is. Yea, and every good path. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the great crowd today. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to stand here. I don't take this lightly. And Lord, I understand how serious that this responsibility is. And Lord, I have the material. I have the, I have the, the knowledge and the information that you've given me. Lord, give me the wisdom to deliver it. Help me, Lord, to deliver it to your people in such a way. It's clear. It's understandable. And Lord, it is, it is what we need today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my thoughts. Control my mind. Control my words. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't, and don't let me forget anything I should. And God will be careful to give you the glory and the praise and the honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's saints say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Keep in mind, keep in mind, at the end of this thing, I'm not interested in your opinion. And I'm not, I'm not being smart, and I'm not trying to be arrogant. All I'm trying to say, and, and by the way, by the way, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. You shouldn't be interested in my opinion. It's not about my opinion. It's not about your opinion. It's not about how I feel about things. It's not about how you feel about things. The, the question is, what does God say about it? Preacher, what is your opinion on dress length? It's irrelevant. What I think is irrelevant. What does God say about it? That's the question that needs to be asked. And so last week, if you will remember, I gave you the way I taught y'all how to fish last week. I didn't give y'all, I didn't give y'all anything. I didn't say, okay, it's right here. Now go, go do that. Go practice that or go believe. No, I told you how to find out for your yourself. And so here's what we did this week. Here's what we did this week. We took that topic and that question that you posed in, in life groups and different <laughs> venues that was brought back to my attention. And so I took the way that I taught you last week and I used it to come up with an answer for myself. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through that process today and I'm, I'm going to show you how it works. Last week, I told you the process, how it works. And we find it here in Proverbs chapter number two. Now watch this. Here, here's what he says. If thou wilt receive, that's a key word in, 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 in your notes somewhere, you need to put the word receive equals, receive equals, and then put the word accept, accept. 
And I'll, and I'll show you it, what the best way to study the Bible is to compare the Bible with the, with the Bible. Where does this, we find this word elsewhere in scripture in first Thessalonians two thirteen. You can write that down. First Thessalonians two thirteen. for this cause, Paul's telling the church at Thessalonica for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received, say that with me, when you Receive the word of God, which you heard of us, ye received it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Now, what does that mean? Paul is telling the church in Thessalonica that when you received the word, when you heard us speak, you accepted it as God's word. Does that make sense? So before, and the, the reason I'm emphasizing this point is because if you don't take, when we give you God's word, if you don't take it as God's word, then you are, it doesn't matter. If you think it's just the preacher's opinion or a preacher's idea or the preacher's feelings about something, and I'm not, that's why I'm not telling you mine. I'm giving you scripture, but you have to believe and accept it that it's what God said. And if it's not what God said, what are you even doing here? I don't know about y'all, but I came today to hear what God has to say about it. Amen. Amen. So the first thing we have to do before we ever even read the scripture, we've got to get it in our hearts and our minds that this is God speaking to us. So with that being said, my son, if thou wilt receive or accept my words and hide my commandments with thee, anytime you see word, commandment, understanding, or, uh, 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 You'll see scriptures. It's all meaning the same thing or the word law. It's God's word so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasures, what's the next word? Then. Now let's look at some of these words. Let's look at some of these words. Receive. Hide means to memorize. Incline, apply, criest, lift us up thy voice. And in other words, asking God for and seek us. What is it? What is that? That's seven different words telling you, you got to make an effort, people. If you don't ever open your Bible, don't expect God to give you any wisdom. You have to open your Bible. All right. Amen. Okay. All right. Now, then God's going to do something for you when you, when you search for it, when you look for it, when you read and you dig and you ask God to help you understand, you ask God to give you knowledge. Then verse five, shalt thou understand what's going to happen when you start getting in your Bible. The first thing that's going to take place is you're going to start fearing the one that wrote it. And by the way, it starts there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I'm going to tell you this, when you start reading and you start studying, you start learning who God is, that he owes the air that you breathe. He is in control. He is a sovereign God. You will fear him. And once you start studying and seeking and searching and applying and hiding, you're going to understand the fear of the Lord. And then you're going to find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding he layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, preserves the way of the saints. Then, here it is. Then 
Shalt thou understand? In other words, you're going to understand what's right. If you have a question about hymn length, if you have a question about what words you're allowed to say and not say, if you have a question about behavior, whether you should forgive or not forgive, if you have a question of whether you should go or not go, or if you should watch or not watch, guess what? Dig and he will give you wisdom and you will understand righteousness. What is righteousness? What's right? What's right? This is not real complicated, is it? You'll understand what's right. Then once you understand what's right, you can make good judgment, equity, balance, what's right, what's good. Yay. And you'll know you're on a good path. So, so with that being said, with that being said, this is what we did. We went through the Bible to find out this question about immodesty. So if you'll take your notes, if you'll take your notes, I, I, I color coded it in such a way that you could see the differences. Okay. If you'll take your notes, look here. First of all, I, I wanted to go and, and what I did is, okay, Lord, I, I need to know about immodesty. What's immodest? What's good? What's not good? What's right? What's not right? And so the first thing I did is I started at the beginning Okay, I tried to find the very first place that God had a problem with what somebody wore. Right? Now, I know what people say, God doesn't care what I wear. Au contraire. He do. And so I said, okay, Lord, let me find the first place that you had a problem with what somebody wore. And we had to go all the way back to the, the book of Genesis all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Isn't that amazing? That, that people wasn't dressing right from the very start. Right after sin came into this world. Now watch this. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. What color is it so everybody knows? Red. Red. Okay. Genesis 3, 7. And the eyes of them, Adam and Eve, this is after they sinned and took the fruit they wasn't supposed to. They were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Okay. The word apron, the word apron means a belt. All right. The word apron means a belt. Uh, it means a, uh, basically what you see, something to cover the front. This is what they had. All right. Everybody with me? Everybody, everybody excited about what you're fixing to learn? Okay, this is what it covered. This is what it covered. This is what they had. They realized we ain't got no clothes on. This is not right. So we need to cover up. So this is how they covered up an apron. Y'all see what it covers. They see what it don't cover. All right. Everybody with me? What did God say? Uh-uh. God had an issue with that. God, God had an issue with that. Watch what God did. Genesis 3, 21. Unto Adam also and to his. You know what that taught me? You know what that taught me? Modesty is not just for ladies. God had an issue with both of them. Hello. Listen. To Adam and to his wife, did the Lord God, who did it? Lord God, make what? 
coats and clothe them. Clothe them. Now, a coat, this is what God did. Now, y'all see, do I, do I need to model this anymore? Y'all with me? You see what it covers and what it don't. All right. God made them a coat. A coat. Okay. And the word clothe means to wrap around. Wrap around. Wrap around. Say it with me. That means your back needs to be covered as much as your front. And some, some, some translated the word flowing robe. Flowing ro- and by the way, when we get to heaven, the Bible says we'll wear flowing robes. That's what it says. Revelation. Go look it up. All right. Y'all notice something? Here's what I learned from the very first set of scriptures I went to. Well, the first thing is not in your notes. I just, you know, I forgot to put this in there that God cares about what the man wears and the woman wears. So, ladies, you can you can go ahead and say now, because I've heard it. Well, what about the men? Yeah, God cares about the men, too. God cares about the men, too. Now, other thing I learned is that God wants the top and the bottom covered. Top and bottom. Top and bottom. Say with me. Top and bottom. Right. Okay, not only does God want the top and bottom covered, but then, listen, the thing that stood out to me most is that God's idea of modesty and man's idea of modesty is two different things. Usually man don't cover enough. Man left to himself in his sinful state does not cover enough. God wants it covered. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Now, uh, and and, and by the way, there's another verse that talks about this. It says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but in the end it brings death. So I'm going to go with God's idea. Amen. Amen. So, so God's idea of modesty and man's idea of modesty is not the same. Okay. God's stricter. Can we agree with that? All right. Can we agree with the fact that God wants the top and the bottom covered? Can we agree with that? Okay. All right. This is right out of here. Uh, And not only that, but material matters, material matters. You see what did, what material did, did Adam and Eve use? Fig leaves. I don't know if y'all understand what a fig leaf is, but it's thin. It's thin and it would have been possible to be see through. Y'all with me? God says, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to work. So he took animal skins. Now, I don't know if y'all understand the difference between a a fig leaf and an animal skin, but an animal skin is way thicker than a fig leaf. So God cares about what materials that we use in our clothing. And when it comes to thickness, when it comes to the material, it doesn't need to be see-through. It don't take a rocket scientist to see this, folks. Y'all with me? So God cares about that. God does care about what we wear and the materials that we wear. He wants the top and bottom covered. He cares about men being modest and women being modest. He cares about the materials that you use so it's not see-through, so they can't see every dimple in... Amen. Hello. This is what I get out of this. You, you get whatever you want to. Okay. Now watch this. <clears throat> watch this. 
Let's go to the next set of verses. Genesis. Now, I got to take this off. It's hot. All right. So with my suit on and everything. Okay. Does everybody, does this make sense? A visual illustration is, it always helps to, helps to see it. Now watch this. Genesis nine. We find another situation of immodesty. Genesis nine twenty, and Noah began to be an husbandman. That means a, a farmer. He planted a vineyard and he drank the wine and was, he got drunk. Now watch what happened when he got drunk. He was uncovered within his tent and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brethren without. Now I'm not going to go into detail, but it was a bad situation. And the bad situation came from drunkenness and drunkenness calls nakedness. Y'all with me? So there's, there is a connection. There's a connection. First of all, with Adam and Eve sin, right after sin, there was immodesty and God covered their immodesty. But then we find drunkenness, nakedness, immodesty is connected to drunkenness. This is not hard. Y'all with me? What happens when people start getting drunk? Their clothes start coming off. This is not, this is not, listen, you know this. All right. Then we find in the next set of verses, we find immodesty again. All right. What do we find it now at the making of the golden calf? How many of y'all remember when Moses and, 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 uh, he brought the children of people out. He went up to meet with God. And while he was gone, he spent a long time and they got tired of waiting on him. They said, Hey, just make us a God. And, and, and Aaron took their golden earrings and made a golden calf. And they started worshiping this false idol. How many of y'all remember that? Raise your hand. Now watch what happens. Idolatry. Exodus 32, six. And they rose up early in the morrow, offered burnt offerings. Now here's what's happening. Idolatry. They're worshiping this false idol. They brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to. Now we're going to get drunkenness involved. And they rose up to play. Now that same word play is used in the New Testament with a man caressing his wife. Y'all with me? In other words, this was not, this was not, hey, let's, 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 let's cut, let's just cut up a little bit. This is sexual activity, immorality. Are y'all with me? Now watch this, watch this. Mark 5, 15. Uh, it says, and they come to, no, 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 no. Back up, back up, back up. Exodus 32, 25. And when Moses saw that the people were naked. For Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. So, so what happens? We, we see immodesty, nakedness is, is connected to, to sin, disobedience to God in, in the garden, then drunkenness with, with Noah, then idolatry, idolatry with uh, the golden calf. Now watch how, this, watch how this worked. Watch how this worked. This is amazing. Look at, look at, the, look at the, the, the cycle. Look at the process of what happened. First, there was idolatry. Make us a calf. They start worshiping this calf. That's called idolatry. Say it with me. That's called? Watch this. Any worship of anything besides God is idolatry. I'm going to make a point about that. So idolatry came first. Then came immodesty. They begin to worship something besides God. And then they start taking the clothes off. And after immodesty came in, the very next step was immorality, immorality, sexual wickedness, wickedness, in, inappropriate deeds and touching and all the rest. So you have idolatry, 
then you have immodesty, and then you have immorality. Can we not see that in America? And you say, well, what does idolatry have to do with this? You worship something besides God, and that something could be you. I don't care what God wants. I know what I want. You just sat on the throne. And you became the God that you worship. It doesn't start. It, listen, it doesn't start with sexual immorality. It doesn't even start with immodesty. It starts with idolatry. When you start putting anything before God. Hello. Think about this. Think about this. You know, we've got the play. This is the most recent thing, so it'll make sense to you. We've got these playoff games going on. NFL, packed stadiums. They were doing an art. I was listening to an article on, on, uh, 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 on the radio about the Kansas City fans getting there like, like days early, sitting in sub-zero, sub, I mean, just freezing, freezing temperatures. Man, if that ain't idolatry. That's, that's borderline crazy. But they go out and they paint themselves up and, and they get half naked and they want all and, 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 and then you've got that. What do they do? What do they do to produce it? Then they have half naked dancers out on the on the on the field to entertain you. What is this? It's the process that we see. It starts with idolatry. Then it moves to immodesty. Then it moves to immorality. Now, watch. I, I found some more. I found some more. I found immodesty connected in the garden with disobeying God, drunkenness with Noah, idolatry with the children of Israel, worshiping the golden calf. And by the way, by the way, you can go look and God killed a bunch of them. 3,000 for participating in that immoral acts on that day. Just, just, a, just, just a thought. Then we find immodesty again in the New Testament. I know y'all are thinking we're New Testament Christians, preacher. Okay. Luke 8, 27. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city, a certain man, which had devils long time. And he where? Hello. He wear no clothes. Man's crazy. He's demon possessed and he wore no clothes. Hello. Say, preacher, what if they're just wearing, you know, I'm just half naked. Well, then you're just half crazy. (laughs) Now watch what happened when this demon-possessed man who wore no clothes run into Jesus. Mark 5, 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had legion sitting and... What's the first thing that happens to a person who is immodest when they run into Jesus they put some clothes on now now I have seen I remember I remember one of the first instances in my childhood when when I came into face-to-face or uh, uh, an experience with someone who had a really bad bad mental disorder there was a man down the road from our church in our house because our house was right beside the church and, and they called him that morning because he, he was just very, very mentally unstable. And he was running down the road without a stitch of clothes on. 
because he had a mental problem, a mental issue. And I have noticed throughout the years that, that some of the things, and you can, you can talk to, you can talk to a, a lot of the nursery, nursery, nursing home workers and nursing home or even in the hospital, and you will find that one of the characteristics of somebody whose mind is not right, they will, they'll walk right out of that room naked as a jaybird because there's a connection there. If you're not in your right mind, there's a great probability that you're going to experience nakedness or immodesty. But if you are in your right mind, you're going to have a desire to cover up. Are y'all with me? All right. All right. The other, the other, and I didn't have room to put it here, but if you want to write this down, Ezekiel 16, 36. Ezekiel 16, 36, 23, 18, and 23, 29. All of these has a connection with immodesty connected to whoredom. Whoredom. I don't have to, that's self-explanatory. You know what that is. So, so drunkenness, out of their right mind, full of demons, completely disobedient to God in the garden, Y'all with me? Idolatry and whoredom. All of these are connected with immodesty and nakedness. There is only one time, one place where nakedness is glorious. According to Hebrews, it's in the marriage bed. And it is celebrated. Song of Solomon, all through it. Good night. You you don't have to read, you don't have to read uh, that garbage that they put out there, uh, uh, you know, and I never understood why Christian women would want to read Shades of Grey or whatever that book's called. You don't need that. Go read Song of Solomon. It'll make you blush. That is the only time, the only place in the marriage bed between a man and a woman who are married where it's okay and you should celebrate it. Say Amen. Every other place, you need to be modest. Now, let's figure out. Now we know that, that so, so the first section we covered today, the first section we covered today, we realized immodesty, bad. I'm trying to be as simple as I can, all right? Let's just be plain, clear, and simple. Modesty, good. Immodesty, bad. All right? God describes immodesty as nakedness, all right? So what... What consists of nakedness? Because see, see, we want to know. You know why? Because we as humanity, we want to go right to the edge. Which is crazy. Well, we, don't, we, we shouldn't want to push a limit. We should want to go past a limit in case, and just in case we're wrong, we're still covered. But, but let's, I'll, I'll humor you. Exodus 20. Let's see what God says. Let's see what God says. Exodus 20, verse 26. Neither shalt thou go up. He is speaking to the the priest in the tabernacle when it comes to worship. When it comes to worship. Neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar. He said, I don't want you to go up with steps unto the altar that thy nakedness be not discovered. Now think about this, guys. Think about this, guys. They're wearing long robes. But he's saying, don't go up steps so they, nobody sees you. Mm-hmm. Y'all with me? Right. 
So, so, so the line of nakedness is not up here. It's a little further. Watch this. Exodus 28, 42. He gets real specific. Exodus 28, 42. And thou shalt make, this is those same priests. Thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover there. Now here's what he wants covered. From the loins, y'all know what the loins are. That's your midsection. That's your private area. Your loins, even unto the, the thighs, they shall reach. Now let's, let's, let's define, let's define what thighs are. Cause some of y'all say, okay, okay. Anywhere in here is thighs. Oh, Mm-mm. Isaiah 47, Isaiah 47, verse two, take the millstones and grind meal. This is, by the way, this is judgment. This is judgment. Uncover thy locks, make bare the, uncover the, pass over the rivers, thy shall be what? So he says the bare leg and the uncovered thigh is nakedness. Now in Exodus 32, 27, Judges 3, 16, and Psalm 4, 45, 3 tells us what the thigh is. The portion of the leg from the knee to the hip against which a weapon hangs when suspended from the waist. In other words, God considered the thigh, they would take a sword or a, 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 like a half sword or a dagger and they would put it on their side and then they would tie it around their knee. And so God considers from the hip to the, to be nakedness. So what does that tell me? That tells me I need to be covered in this area. I need to be covered in this area. Obviously I need to be covered on the top, but I need to be covered in this area because God considers it nakedness. Now, I don't know how to be any more specific than what we just covered. So you do that with what you want. You can either, it's up to you. I've given you the truth. I haven't told you what to think about it. And I've not told you what to believe. I've just told you what the Bible said. Now, now let's discuss modesty a minute. Let's go to the New Testament. That is, that is background information. That's research material that you just got. Now let's go to the New Testament. Now let's go to the New Testament and find out some more detailed uh, teaching from the Apostle Paul to the church and also from Peter uh, and, and really get to the, pardon the pun, the heart of the matter. We always wanted the external. Give us rules, give us a list, give us a tape measure. But you know what? I'm going to teach you something today and you're not even going to need a tape measure. You're not going to need somebody else's opinion. You're not going to need somebody else's guidelines because it starts in the heart. Now, now, by the way, guys, we're going to go into this thing. And I done told you, I done told you guys, look up everybody, all the guys, all the guys. Now, Paul is specifically addressing the ladies in the church at Ephesus here. But we've already learned, according to what we've covered, that modesty is for both of us. So I want you to go through this. I want you because there's a principle that you're going to see. There's a principle that you're going to see here. Okay. And that's what I want you to get uh, of how we practice modesty how we practice modesty, and it's for both of us. 
Because you're going to learn. Everybody look at me. You're going to learn. It's not just what you wear. It's how you present yourself. How you present yourself. Is everybody with me? Say amen. We having fun yet? Okay. All right. Here we go. Oh, by the way, I forgot to read this. You remember when Peter was out in the boat fishing? In John 21, 7, we see Peter out in the boat fishing with the other disciples. He was in his undergarments. His undergarments. His undergarment was a thin, a thin, uh, uh, y'all with me? Okay. Now, it was acceptable since he was working on the boat and only in the company of other men. The boat was out in the water and it was not likely that a woman or anyone else would see him. However, when he saw Jesus standing on the shore, he wanted to go to him. And the first thing that he did was put on his or outer garment. He covered his nakedness because he was going to shore and he did not want to be naked in public, even though he was wearing his undergarments and probably in today's society would be fine by the world standards. But he knew that the scripture required more of him, so he covered his nakedness. Preacher, what are you saying? Just because it's covered, don't mean it's covered. The, 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 the material that he had on was very, very thin, see-through. Are y'all with me? So, that's just, a, that's just commercial. All right? In these two, in these two areas of scripture, in these two areas of scripture, we're going to find a church setting and a home setting. All right. Paul is addressing uh, the ladies in the church and and we're going to take that everybody because immodesty covers everybody. But primarily there was a, there was a situation going on in the church with some ladies. So he's addressing the church setting. But then Peter in first Peter chapter three He almost identically mirrors what Paul says in the church setting for the the home setting. Now watch. 1 Timothy 2 verse 9. He is telling the ladies. He just got through telling the men in verse number 8 to pray with holy hands. That the men are to be holy. The men are to be righteous. The men are to be separated, sanctified, holy. And in like manner... Just like the men, that women adorn themselves. The word adorn means decorate. Decorate. Adorn themselves in modest apparel apparel with shamefacedness. We'll cover that. And sobriety. Not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. But... Which becometh women professing what? Godliness with good works. Now watch, watch Peter's teaching on the home front. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. Now this is in reference. Peter is teaching believing godly women who have unbelieving ungodly husbands. How you can win them. And there's, there's, a, there's a reason I'm telling you that because it's real important in our mentality with modesty. So he's teaching ladies who are saved and they're in the church how to reach their husbands who are not in church. It says you may without the word 
be won by the conversation of the wives. In other words, ladies, if you have an unbelieving husband, you can win them without the word. That means without dragging them to church and also without nagging them to death. You don't have to quote them a scripture every morning. You don't have to nag them to death. What, is, what does Peter say? Live right in front of them. They're going to watch and they're going to see your chase conversation. And the word conversation means behavior. Who's adorning, there's that decoration again. Let it not be the outward adorning. In other words, the focus should not be the outward decoration of plating the hair, of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Wow. Now, let me say this, ladies. Let me say this. All the ladies look at me. In these two situations, in these two situations, Peter and Paul both are not outlawing jewelry. Because we find jewelry in Song of Solomon with godly ladies. We find it with Rebecca. You know, Isaac is constantly giving jewelry to his bride or bride-to-be Rebecca. Jewelry is not, is not the enemy and it's not outlawed. That's not the point they're trying to make here. And to understand what's happening is how we know this. Here's what's going on. If you look at your notes, we'll come back to those verses. But if you look at your notes, first thing, we find a problem. We find a problem in the church. We find a problem in the home. We have women that are competing with each other. Because you have, you have in the culture of that day, in the culture of that day, in the church of Ephesus, it was a Roman culture or even a Greek culture. And so women were competing with other women to stand out. And they were competing for attention. You know what? Sad to say. There's not a whole lot's changed. Most immodesty comes out of competition. Either trying to attract a man or trying to compete with a woman. And there was competing going on. So here's what they would do. They would wear these real elaborate hairdos. And they would take silver combs and gold beads and they would sew it all up in there. And they would wear some incredibly expensive outlandish dresses and they would come to church. In other words, in other words, they were saying by what they were wearing, Hey y'all look at me. Check me out. Now I've got my own, my own thoughts on that. A lot of that is insecurity. You see, you see precious, especially in starting younger and younger and younger because it's stupid social media. You're finding just sweet, precious young ladies posting selfie after selfie after selfie after selfie because there's not a good relationship between her and her father or in the home. And they are so insecure about who they are and their own identity and they're begging for attention. And, and, and we all know that most the easiest way to get attention is to be immodest. And so here we have competing women, women competing for attention, women saying, look at me, look at me. And they wear this really gaudy, immodest. And see, isn't it something that, that, that here immodesty is not connected to nakedness here. It's connected to really outlandish 
Look at me. Are y'all with me? Now watch, now watch. We have competing women. Here's a problem. They're competing for attention. And B, they're causing a distraction. distraction. Hey, watch this, guys. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. The only one in the New Testament church whose attention should be on is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if our attention, and by the way, by the way, all you choir people, all you soloists, all you singers up here, if you get up here and do your thing and expect and, and, and crave people to have their attention, you, you're immodest. And you need to get your heart right, get the pride out, because you're stealing glory from God. See, immodesty is not just about him length. Immodesty is about trying to draw attention to yourself. And if you are trying to draw attention to yourself, you're distracting attention from the only one that deserves attention and you're stealing glory from God. It's not just about what you wear. It's about how you present yourself. It's about how you live around people, how you act around people, how you serve and how are y'all with me? See, I told you it was going, it's going to get way, way deeper than a hymn line. What does that mean? You can have a dress slammed to your neck and down to your ankles and be just as immodest as a baby Christian who don't know no better, who's, who's revealing stuff they ain't supposed to be revealing. So don't be looking down at somebody who's not dressing right automatically because they don't know no better. You can be immodest and, 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 and. Hello. They were saying, look at me. And they were causing a distraction in the church. Listen, all the focus should go to God. All the focus should not be on a person who is sitting there trying to at the least, at the least, just needing attention at the worst, trying to seduce men. And if you don't think there's something like that in here, you are wrong, too. Because God's going to plan them. Amen. We see the problem that Paul and Peter are dealing with. Here's the thing. Look at number two. We see a principle. We see a principle to learn. When it comes to what I need to wear and how I need to present myself in public. What do do we learn from this? Paul said, don't worry about that, that crazy outlandish. Look at me. He said, look, verse 10. You need to, you need to think about which becometh women, what? Professing godliness. What do we learn from that? A, say it with me. Come on, everybody. Preacher, what are you saying? If you claim to be a Christian, dress like that. If you profess godliness, then dress accordingly. There cannot be, there cannot be a Sunday morning you and a Monday morning you. You you can't look like Mother Teresa on Sunday and whoever, whoever, I don't even know. Ladies, y'all figure out somebody on Monday. 
You either are or you ain't. It's all the same. There's no such thing as your secular side and your spiritual side. We're either spiritual or we're secular, one or the other. So Paul is saying, Paul is saying, if you're a Christian, dress like it. Dress according to who you are. What does God call you when you get saved? Y'all have done forgot. Come on. A saint. A saint. Let's dress like it. Men and women. Then we see the word shamefacedness. Shamefacedness. Shamefacedness means a sense of shame. Have y'all noticed that? That there is a complete loss of shame in our society? That men and women act in such a way that, that before they wouldn't even dare do that in public. And, and even if they did, they would be so ashamed and they would blush. I kind of miss, miss the blushing brides who were kind of blushing and embarrassed to kiss somebody in front of the crowd. You've heard that say, the blushing bride. Ain't no blushing brides no more. Most of them shacking up, doing everything else in between time. We've lost our sense of morality. We've lost our sense of shame and embarrassment when it comes to immorality. And what Paul is saying here is saying when we think about how we, how we present ourselves out in public, there needs to be a sense of shame. There needs to be a sense of, okay, if I was to sin, if I was to be immodest, that would be shameful. Or if I was to entice or encourage someone else to sin, I would be ashamed of that too. So there needs to be a sense of shame. Then C, what's the word? Sobriety, Sobriety, which means? You know what? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, I don't know of any other place, I don't know of any other place worse than the airport. When you look and you think, I know you didn't just walk outside looking like that. No restraint whatsoever. He said you need to exercise self-control. Watch what Peter says about modesty and self-control. Look what he says. In the, in the bottom, in the bottom of, of, of verse number four, he said, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Watch this, which is in the sight of God of. What does that mean? Boy, God thinks a good heart and a modest approach and appearance is very precious. Now this world may think you're a prude. This world may call you a Puritan. This world may call you a fanatic. But the God who made you said that's precious. That's precious. And all God's people see it. Lastly, lastly, what else do we learn from this? When we make our decision, when we make our decision of how we present ourselves, whether it's with clothes, whether it's with attitude, whether it's the things we say, the things that we do, we need to think about this. Here, here needs, this, this needs to be our checklist. A, if you want to make a checklist, and we all do, because that's what everybody wants. 
there comes a desire to please the Lord. If I put these britches on, is that going to be pleasing to the Lord? If I wear this dress, is it going to be pleasing to the Lord? What did Paul say? We need to dress as women professing godliness. Becoming, the word becoming means equal to or appropriate with. And so will this please the Lord? Now watch this. Let's, let's even put the clothes to the side and just the things I say. If you're sitting there constantly bragging about what you do or who you are, what you have, the money you have in the bank, you're stealing glory from God and that is not pleasing to God. And that's just as immodest if somebody's there half naked standing in front of the whole crowd. See, it's not just what you wear. It's how you present yourself. Are you craving people to look at you? Are you craving people to think you're important? Are you craving for people to... Listen, or are you saying, Lord, I want to please you. Now watch this. Not only should the question be, does this please the Lord? Look at the next one. This is really important. Look at this. Does what I'm fixing to wear design to point to the Lord? Does what I have, what I do, how I present myself, how I approach it, is it designed to point to the Lord? Now, where do you get that? From what Peter told the wives. Your behavior... Your chase conversation, your good deeds around them, your good attitude around them, your good behavior around them. Watch this. Your modest apparel around them will point them to Jesus. Our clothes should represent who we say we are, saints. Our clothes should point people to Jesus. Let me get specific. Let me get specific. Watch this. Watch this. Miss Charo. Miss Charo Washer. This is uh, Dr. Paul Washer's wife. Here's how she worded this. And it was so sweet. If your clothes are a frame for your face from which the glory of Christ springs forth, it is of God. If your clothes are a frame for your body, it is sensual and God hates it. Let me use the word, because I looked this word up on, in the dictionary this morning. When we use the word frame here, she uses the word frame. I want to use the word accentuate. If you need to spell that, that's A-C-C-E-N-T-U-A-T-E. And it means to make more noticeable or prominent. And the synonyms to accentuate are emphasis, importance, drawing attention to, highlighting. Now watch this, everybody. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Come on. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. 44 seconds. Ladies, this world, everybody look at me. Come on now. If you're not mad, or if you are mad, look anyway, because you you only got 44 seconds left. (laughs) Ladies, this world wants you to accentuate, emphasize, draw attention to, And have you noticed the designs of clothes makes this more prominent and this more prominent so tight 
not loose, what are you doing? Subconsciously, whether you realize it or not, when you walk outside, you're telling everybody, check these out. But Doug, that didn't really come out like I admit it to. But listen, half y'all rednecks too. I need to speak clear to you. I'm not saying that. Yes, you are. If you accentuate it, you're drawing attention to it. And I've never understood immodest women who, who accentuate the areas and then say, I wish somebody would love me for my mind. Well, accentuate that. This is not rocket science, y'all. Here's a definition. Here is the clearest out of all the research we've done today. Out of all the research we've done today. Here's the clearest definition of modesty. Modesty is a respectable manner of adorning one's body and carrying oneself. Not just what you wear, but how you present yourself. Modesty is a respectable manner of adorning one's body and carrying oneself born out of a freedom. I love this. A freedom from a worldly definition of beauty and worth. In other words, you've been delivered from what the world thinks. You've been delivered from what the world says is beautiful and worthy. And you've accepted what God said. You don't care what Vogue magazine says is beautiful. You don't care what Cosmopolitan magazine cares what's beautiful. But you care about what God says is precious in his sight. Now watch. Watch. You're born out of a freedom from a worldly definition of beauty and worth. And watch this. What are we motivated by when we get dressed? Motivated by a hatred of sin. That's that shamefacedness. A hatred of sin. And a desire to draw attention to God. The Bible says this. Look at me, everybody. I'm done. Whatsoever you do. Whether you eat or drink. Now, the reason he used eat and drink is that's just the minimal basis of living. In other words, the very simplest thing you can do. Everybody look at me. I, I, I hear them papers rattling. Look at me. Look at me. Because this is the most important thing. In the very basic behavior of life, just eating and drinking, as simple as that is, you should even do that to bring glory to God. So when you are out in this world, is what you're wearing and how you're presenting yourself bringing glory to God or bringing attention to you? Does your clothes point to your face or do they accentuate your body? Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Can we give God praise and glory this morning?